want you to go really quickly to Nehemiah chapter 6, verse number 3. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse number 3. And I'll just eat this one scripture in your hearing. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3. I'm going to ask somebody on the line to type it on the screen. So those who are watching will know what our reference point is. Whether you have it in your Bible or your smart device, let us acknowledge the reading of God's word. And I sent messengers unto them. And the message was, I am doing a great work. Hallelujah. 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 Mm. And because of that, I cannot come down. Why should the work stop? And although I get discouraged sometimes, why should I leave it and come down to you? And all of God's people said, Amen. On your way to your seat, tell somebody, I'm working on something. I'm working on something. You already know this reference scripture that I'm going to give you as Habakkuk. It gives us instructions to write the vision and do what? Write the vision and make it plain. It's possible to come into these very spiritually charged atmospheres and get the feeling but never receive the information. I believe somewhere in our land in the floor we should get up with something. Somebody say amen. Uh, revelation comes through spiritual illumination. Habakkuk says, write it. Write it. Now all of you in this room, if I ask you do you have a vision, most of us are going to raise our hand. But the truth is, a lot of us have never written it. Once you write your vision, I don't, I'm not asking you about the, the income for it and the provision for it. Once you write it, the written vision becomes the first tangible manifestation of what God showed you. I mean, as soon as you write it, you can now touch it. Now it says, don't just write it, but make it plain. I'm a pastor to other pastors, so I'm always challenging pastors on their mission statement. Like, what is the mission statement of your church? What is the vision? In other words, I don't want to just keep coming to church just to have church if there are no goals in mind. Like, where are we going as a reformation? I was just, you know, in convocation season, I'm in somebody's convocation every week. But I was just so moved last night when I saw the vision of this great reformation where it's even partnering with Fuller Theological Seminary and is showing a visibility of where the national church is going. And any time you are part of a national church, that's indicative of what God is doing in the local assembly. Tell somebody we're working on something. But I'm always challenging pastors when you write your vision or write the mission to try to take some of the hyper-spiritual jargon out of it um, to the point that no one ever gets it. 
You know, what, what, what's, what's our mission? We're expanding territory as we're increasing the dynamics of God's power with spiritual illumination. And uh, Okay, what, so if it's not clear, how do we know we're being successful? Write it and then make it plain. Why is it important to write it and then make it plain? Because the vision caster is not always the vision runner. The eyes are in the head, but God will raise up people in the body to be legs to the vision. So that means our visions must go through a consistent metamorphosis, what we call rough drafts, to make sure because oftentimes we're frustrated when people are not following suit, when it may be the challenge we haven't communicated well. So if you're over the youth department, make sure the vision is being communicated clearly. If you're over the music department, make sure, if you're a pastor, make sure we're not just writing it, but we're making plain so others can come and partner with us. So people can partner with us. I need you to look at somebody and tell them someone is looking for you and don't know you by name. They're they're looking for a sound. They're looking for a posture. They're looking for a cadence. They're looking for a vision. Make it plain. As I'm growing up in classical Pentecostal church in the South, I've heard different things growing up in our prayer life that, uh, that we don't hear in this day. In this day, we pray for anointings, and we should. Gifts, we go to conferences for gifts. And impartations. But when I was growing up, the saints used to say this. Lord, give us a burden, Lord. <laughs> give us a burden, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Give us a burden, Lord. Give us a burden? Nobody in this hour was praying for a burden. But they had a revelation. The reason why many of us are so easy to quit because we've never had a burden for what we say we've been called to do. I am sick and tired of trying to convince people to do things that they said God called them to do. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor in this season, I'm not begging anybody. In this season, if, it, if it's God, it don't have to be forced. You're either going or you're not going. There were some people still this close to convocation says, well, I didn't get no information. Didn't nobody. You've been on Facebook every day, all day in everybody else's business and you could have easily looked up PCAF. If you want to go, you're going to go. You find money for all the sin that you were in. So if you wanted to go to convocation, you can go without us paying your way. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor they do what they want to do. You don't have a burden for it. That's why pastoring cannot be a good idea. You don't do this because you're looking for a check. You don't do ministry because you're looking for an easy income. You have to be the first partaker of sowing into your, this got to be a God idea. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me?
me. Feed my sheep. In other words, you serving people have to be out of your love for me and not out of your love for them because there are some days where sheep will act like goats and you still don't get to quit. My God. You don't... Do you have a do you have a burden? Because if you don't have a burden, just go get your secular job. Do you have a burden? This is this text today is uh, in a time of Israeli history where they find themselves under captivity, like other times and moments. At this time, they are under King Ahasuerus, Xerxes. Darius, depending on which historical text you're going to make a reference to. Um, the Persians were a little bit more light in leadership with them than some of the others were. Uh, still yet, it was captivity. Uh, Jerusalem had been left in ruins, were tore down walls, but some of them had found themselves in, in goodly positions in the Persian Empire, uh, like the one named Nehemiah. Captivity, but still yet promoted. That's when you know God's favor is on you. Because you can look good even in a bad situation. There are some people are jealous of you and they don't even know your fight. They in competition with your headlines and they have no idea about your details. Look at her. She thinks she all in with that outfit. They don't realize that that's an old outfit that you wore three convocations ago. All you did was put some new accessories on it. Yes, it is Nostrums, but it was Nostrums rap. Come on. I know how to go by Ross at the right time. Swing by TJ Maxx. And the favor of God will make you look like Rodeo Drive. I wish I had a help in here. Screaming, somebody tell me, it ain't nothing but favor. It ain't nothing but favor. I'm living in a house that's bigger than I could have ever been able to afford on my own. It ain't nothing but favor. What God is doing for my church, what God is doing for my ministry. Look at y'all, some of y'all taking too much credit for it, but tell them, it's favor. It's favor. Nehemiah finds himself promoted, even in the midst of a grievous time in Israeli history. He is what we call a cup bearer. He has close proximity to leadership. And this is what I'm convinced. Everyone is not anointed to have close proximity to leadership. You've got to be graced for it. Come on, people of God. You've got to, if you're a gossiper, you can't serve close to leadership. If you're easily offended, some of y'all ain't got offended already. You can't serve close to leadership because if you're always in your feelings, there are moments where the leaders will actually attack you for something that other people are doing. And you got to have a posture of forgiveness because you say, I got grace for this. I don't even take it personal. I wish I had somebody. Everybody's not called to be an armor bearer, agitant, and agitator. It ain't about carrying your preacher's Bible. He can carry his own Bible. It's about carrying them in the spirit. It's about being an intercessor. Screaming, somebody tell him I got my pastor's back for real. 
You can talk about me all day long. Run my name down, but keep your my pastor's name out of your mouth. I'm not being funny. I know some of y'all ain't got weeks since you got saved, but it's my pastor that covered me and didn't oh, and didn't expose me. It's my pastor that prayed me through. It was my pastor that stood by me while I stood at the casket of a loved one. Keep my pastor's name out of your mouth because the Bible said if you believe God, you'll be established, but believe his prophets so shall you prosper. I need you to run to somebody and tell them prosperity is in the mouth of the prophet. Come on, tell them prosperity. When my preacher speaks, things happen. I like all of these guest preachers, but something happened when my pastor stands and decrees and declares. Oh, I believe, I believe in the voice of my prophet. I believe that the direction of my life is connected to the voice of my leader. So I ain't never got to go to my pastor's house. I ain't never got to ride their car. I ain't never got to go out to eat with them as long as when Sunday comes you have a word for my life because you can get so close to people's humanity that you'll be distracted from their divinity I believe one of the greatest hindrance of revival is not sexual immorality I believe it's familiarity. Where we have become so overly exposed to each other's lives that we no longer reverence each other. I'm going to say this, and I'm only about 75 people going to help me, but when you are a leader in the church, your social media platform is not yours. Then I tell you one about 75. You don't have a private Facebook page. Everything you post don't just reflect you, but it reflects the church and the ministry. Every vacation don't need to go on social media. I don't need to see your breast in your my car, and then you gotta come up and lead me into worship, and I got to move past the image that I saw on Instagram. You don't get to be a leader in the church. And when we ask you, is there any more comments in the meeting? You say nothing. And then you go on social media and write out a subliminal message. No meeting necessary. You may be dismissed. I need you to look at your neighbor tell your neighbor, no meeting necessary. Once you disrespect leadership and disrespect the office of the church, you can't be trusted. I took a nap last night, so it ain't jet lag. <laughs> Can't be trusted. Yes, sir. Well, this is my page. This is my page. I'm telling you what social media has done. It has exposed the immaturity of individuals. Your giftedness is not synonymous with your level of maturity. Just because they can sing the rafters down don't mean they're mature in God. There are some people who are very gifted and they are a great fool. Y'all not saying none of me in here. The Bible says you will know a fool by the multitude of words. Let them keep talking and they will expose themselves. Nehemiah is a cupbearer. He's just, y'all be seated. I'm running against my time now. He is postured close to the king. He's eating well because of his proximity to the king. 
He is dressing well because the way he dresses is a reflection of the palace. So the king is going to make sure he looks well. My goodness. And this is why, as I alluded to last night, we need to be open to the marketplace anointing. We have limited often apostolia to the oneness of God in the way we baptize and our holiness standard. But to be apostolic means to be sent. At some point, we must get a revelation that all that I'm called to do must be, be beyond the choir and the praise team and the Ursha board. As a matter of fact, you may be anointed in the realm of the spirit to be a prophet, but your ministry of the prophetic may not be within the church service. You may be called prophet in church, but Monday through Friday you are an executive assistant. And while you're sitting at the table, having the ear of the CEO and giving advice, he's still scratching his head trying to figure out how did you know all of that? Because how you serve Monday through Friday is just a cloak. It's a cloaking experience. On the inside, I'm really a prophet with a prophetic advantage. My God. Yes, I am an apostle, uh, but I'm laying foundations in communities. I am shifting the socioeconomic status of the community that I'm living in. That's called apostolic power. See, some of y'all have shut down with me in here because all of these spooky spirit fingers we have in here, if it don't ever translate to something in the marketplace, what are we doing? Y'all not sending them in here. There's some people, your dance don't move them. Your shout don't affect them. Oh, but my God when God anoints you to start making money moves and start increasing you that you can have multiple homes hallelujah where families can live in and shelters hallelujah where you can feed the hungry come on apostolic church God is raising us up with an anointing that's going to shift the marketplace and, and so there he is in the marketplace with close proximity eating good, living good dressing good but he gets the news Nehemiah there are people in Jerusalem left exposed to the enemy hallelujah you at convocation Nehemiah but your family members are not saved Nehemiah Nehemiah and I could imagine Nehemiah could have got like Hadassah. I mean, y'all call her Esther. <laughs> what does that have to do with me? You remember Mordecai told her, consider this. You were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Nehemiah attempted to shake it off. But when God has put a burden on you, and I just feel led to say this right here. I, wanna, I really feel led to say this. There are some individuals in this room that some other people have a tendency to call you crazy because of the people you deal with. And to be honest, maybe there are moments 
you are mad at yourself because of some of the people you have a heart for. But let me tell you something. No matter what they did with what you gave them, that's a reflection of them. But once God has given you a burden for people, the people who don't have your same burden can never be your reference point. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, God put it in me. To be able to forgive people and still move past. Come on. We have to forgive some folk we still in church with. They married somebody else in the church and y'all still in church. Y'all that sin. Y'all still in church. You can church together. But God did this to me. I don't have no ill feelings toward anybody. Can anybody in this room and say this? There's nobody in my church I got to walk past and can't speak to. I said, there's nobody. There's nobody in my church. God put this in me. I refuse to hold on to bitterness because bitterness is you drinking poison but waiting for them to die and ain't dying for nobody else. Come on, somebody. I'm not losing no more time on what was in the past. Nehemiah has a burden. I just have to say that for somebody in this section. Nehemiah has a burden and he can't shake it. The king comes in. And of course, he would go on with his traditional salutations, O king, live forever. But, but the king noticed that Nehemiah is a little off. He's a, he's a little off. That says to me that he's consistent. He was consistent that the king noticed he was off. Are you consistent enough for us to know that something is off? Or are we accustomed to your merry-go-round and your seesaw emotions? Oh my God. I'm talking about you that come to church on Sunday and shout. Then on Wednesday night, your arms is folded like you mad with the whole world. We don't know whether to say praise the Lord or loose here devil. This is, we got a vision to work on it. And in this hour, we don't have time to keep learning you. We come to learn God. Y'all not saying none of me in here. No more do we need to explain people to new members. Talk about what well, you'll like her once you get to know her. The devil is a liar. You've been here too long for us to be repeating the same stuff. Push somebody, tell them, get out of your feelings. We're wasting time. Get out of your feelings. We're wasting. Get out of your feelings. Get out of your feelings. We're wasting time. I'm tired of going in my head trying to figure out how I'm going to say it to you because I don't want you to get mad. Get out of your feelings. We're in a battle. This ain't kindergarten. This ain't a daycare. We're in a battle. Scream at somebody. Tell them I'm working on something. I ain't got time for the little stuff. But the king noticed that Nehemiah was a little off. And he said, what's going on? Nehemiah said, I'm good, king. You've been good to me. He said, but what's going on? He said, it's my family. It's my people. I'm here and I'm doing good. But they're left exposed to the enemy. And, and the king says to Nehemiah, I'm going to give you three things. And I want all the note takers, make sure you write this down. Because this is what the Lord told me to release to the hearers in this room. Now, if you're not working on anything, this message is not for you. 
but take the notes anyway, just in case you decide to start next week. <laughs> God says the first thing I'm going to give you is provision. He says, Nehemiah, I'm going to send you back, but I'm going to provide for the vision. Then let me tell you something. Vision comes from heaven, but provision comes from the earth. You know how we say you're going to open up the windows of heaven and pour outside a blessing? Well, be honest with me. Out of all the years you've been tithing, have you ever seen money come out of heaven? No, no, no. It's the idea that comes out of heaven. It's the strategy that comes out of heaven. I want everybody in here that got a vision, lift up your hands and shout, I receive strategy. strategy. Hallelujah. I don't want to just shout about it. I want information on how to obtain it. And I'm speaking to about 60 screamers that by the time you leave convocation, there's going to be pages coming down in your spirit. Ideas, innovative, witty inventions. Oh my. I said for the 60 screamers that were matching in their faith. Strategy has been released to the saints. Because there is no lack of funds in the earth. In the middle of the pandemic, people are still building. People are still making profits. And I come to tell you that provision belongs to the people of God. I'm in uh, I am in, in the States. I've been believing God for a church building in, in Brazil. And I told uh, the young man, the campus pastor, Pastor Herbridge, I said, we need a building. Uh, this Zoom is good, but it ain't real until I can touch it. And I said, we need a building. And he says, well, Herbridge is the, one of the top IT guys in, in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. Uh, he didn't know he was called to preach until I told him. <laughs> Um, he was running the sound in church and I told him the hand of God is on you and uh, he believed God and he prospered in it but I told him I need a building and Everett says well I wish he said my boss has all of these buildings and I wish he would give us one of them I said well ask him he's like he says ask him ask him he said for the building for the building he said, well, we don't have any money. I said, we don't need money. We need the building. Some of y'all keep talking about you ain't got no money. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, ask God for the hard thing. Oh, I, I felt my faith just rise up for somebody in this room. I said, ask God for the hard thing. I need about 100 people to jump up like you're about to get it right now. Jump up. Is there anything? So, y'all be seated real quick. It's PCF when y'all stand up, you know, things start happening. I said, ask him. He says, okay, Bispo. The next day, he went to work. I called him. I said, did you ask him? He says, I was going to ask him. But when he came in the office, he looked angry. He says, so I was like, this is not a good time. I said, well, tomorrow, ask him. The next day he went to work. He said, okay, I'm going to ask him. He prayed that morning. He prayed, he prayed. He said, I'm going to ask him. He got to work, 
And he says his boss went in the office and he says he was praying. He said, all right, Lord, I'm going to ask him. He closed his eyes and started praying. And then he got up and went to the office. And while he was praying, his boss had left. I said, son, you need to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. I said, you prayed before you left home. You can keep, keep praying about it. Praying about praying. Ask him. Y'all know people who pray about praying. So the next day, he went to work and he called me. He says, Bishop, the van that's usually sitting at the other building is outside of our company. And I asked the secretary, why is that trunk outside? He said, because somebody vandalized the other building. So they brought the truck over to our office. I said, Herbridge, y'all know what I said, right? Ask him. Some of you, there's some things you haven't walked into because you haven't had enough faith to ask. He went in the room and talked to his boss and he said, uh, uh, he said, Gerson, my bishop in, in the U.S., you met him at my wedding. He told me to ask you for... for a building for the church. Garrison looked at him and says, tell him to come to Brazil and ask me. Well, y'all know me. You should know me by now, I'm going. After I done took three flights to get here and a three hour drive from LAX to come here, y'all know I'm gonna go. But it was in the height of the pandemic. And so there were a lot of people saying, don't go. They were showing pictures of people dying and being buried in mass graves in Brazil. But I had a word from the Lord. It didn't make sense, I know, to a lot of people, but I had a word from the Lord. I got on that plane, and as soon as I got landed there in Sao Paulo, I got a phone, I got a WhatsApp message from a pastor in, from the Church of God in Christ there in Brazil that his son had just died of covid and then I went by uh, a pastor's house to get a guitar for my son Cornelius to play because he was there with me. We would have worship and pray while we there before I go to the meeting. <laughs> and uh, I got the guitar from them and then later, a couple of hours later, they called us and said, you all may want to get tested because we just found out we had COVID. So we're praying and believing God. And so the young man that works for the company, Hebridge, the one I said ask, we got ready to go to the meeting and he says, Bishop, I don't know how to tell you this, but um, I can't go to the meeting. I said, why you can't go? He says, I got COVID. I went to the meeting with me and my son. And while we were there trying to speak through a translator with my broken Portuguese, the meeting wasn't going too well. It felt like a void. And it was, it was no, not a synergy that I would expect it to have. So then I looked at my son Cornelius. I said, uh, go to the car and get your guitar. He said, huh? I said, just do what I told you. Just go get the guitar. He went and got the guitar. And I said, do y'all mind if we have a word of prayer? And we began to pray 
until the people start coming out of their offices into the courtyard of the business. I don't have time to give y'all all the details because some of y'all won't believe it. I just want y'all to know that if you catch a flight out of LAX and go to GRU Airport in Sao Paulo and get on the main highway and go downtown, there is a five-story building with a car garage attached to it. That's the church that we got without paying one dime. There's a grace on me. You better receive it. There's a, I need some people that's believing God for some property to raise your feet up and touch down right now and the cloud provision is coming. Somebody who got a company and needs just a little bit more for your next expansion shall provision is coming. I come to tell somebody that money is looking for a sound. Money is looking, there's an increase that's coming. Provision is coming. And he says, not only am I going to give you provision, but number two, he says, I'm going to give you protection. Swing your hand over somebody. Don't touch them. Just swing your hand over and shout, you're covered, you're covered. Some of us, our surrender it's not because the lack of surrender is not because we don't love God is our fear concerning what price we will have to pay to walk out the assignment if you want to know what your anointing is your anointing will always be announced by the type of warfare you have to deal with if you are a prophet you'll always have to deal with the Jezebel spirit a spirit of intimidation and manipulation. If you carry a deliverance anointing, you will always have to deal with a Pharaoh system that tries to keep everything on lockdown. Hallelujah. If you have a messianic anointing, you'll always have to deal with the spirit of Herod that caused genocide all around you trying to come for you. Hallelujah. And if you have a Davidic anointing, you got to deal with Saul and David <laughs> you got to battle with your own stuff my God and so Nehemiah because of this assignment there are going to be individuals that are going to try to attack you but I need you to look at somebody and tell them you're covered you're covered you're covered, you're covered. The, the scripture left it on record that there's no weapon hallelujah that's formed against you that shall be able to prosper a thousand hallelujah shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand but it will not come nigh thee and the last thing and I'm on my way to my seat the last thing he says I'm going to give you I'm going to give you provision I'm going to give you protection but I need about a hundred people to respond and praise God says I'm going to give you time somebody to open up your mouth because God says I'll hold the clock still to give you time to get your next victory I know some of y'all don't want to praise him for it but God said if you praise me I'll give you 2017 back to you time you lost and time you wasted I know y'all think I ain't got no scripture for it but he says I'll restore back unto you the years 
like the canker worm. Get out of your seat and run to somebody. Tell them time is coming back to you. Time is coming. Time is coming. Time you felt like you lost in a dead-end relationship. Time you felt like you lost at a company. God says, I'm going to restore years back to you. Lay hands on somebody's shoulder. Tell them time is coming back to you. And if a prophet ever speak a word in the atmosphere, then somebody must be a responsible recipient to snatch it and run with it. God says these next six months is going to be a do-over season. There's an opportunity that's coming back around. There's, a, there's an opportunity that's coming back. You felt like you messed it up last time, but this is going to be a... This is going to be a do-over season. This is going to be a do-over season. Pull on somebody tell them it's going to be different this time. Everything you touch is going to be victory. Every time you move, it's going to be victory. I'm working 
working on something. I'm working on something. I'm working on something. I'm I'm working on something. Hey, this is Bishop S.Y. Younger. Thank you for watching this video. And now what I need you to do is like and subscribe to this YouTube channel so you can continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and gospel content in your direction.